Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Would you rather be a Gator or a Seminole these days? And you know what? You might be better off being a Cane Knight or Bull. We'll talk about the state of college football in the state on this edition of the Rick and Tom Podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times, our producer, Steve Versnick. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll look back also at a really violent Monday night football game and give you some of our thoughts on that. I haven't heard Rick. Rick and I haven't talked about this yet, but you might be surprised by some of the things I'm thinking about what happened Monday night. We're recording this podcast on Tuesday before Tuesday night's Lightning Islanders game. Don't worry, we're not ignoring the bolts. I hope to catch up with Joe Smith, Lightning beat writer for the Times on Wednesday, and then we'll have some Lightning talk, hopefully all set for you on the Thursday podcast. But anyway, as I said, we're recording this uh, on Tuesday afternoon, and as we're recording this, Rick, it's not official yet, but it looks for all the world like FSU is moving in on hiring former USF coach Willie Taggart. Now, in the meantime, Josh Heupel, which was kind of a surprise, has been hired um, by UCF to be the uh, the new head coach there. He's a Missouri offensive coordinator. Randy Shannon, by the way, will go as defensive coordinator, which means no Kevin Sumlin. So, Rick, by the time people hear this, the Tiger thing's probably going to be done. But let's just play a little revisionist history before uh, we're in the future. Um, should FSU pause for a minute and say, wait a minute, maybe we should go after Kevin, at least talk to Kevin Sumlin before moving on Willie Taggart? Well, you know, I would. I just think that they must have an idea of where Kevin Sumlin is at and what they think about him, which isn't as much as they think about Willie Taggart. Um, yeah. Whether it's his age or his record or, or what have you, it, it sounds to me like, you know, some, someone was being considered by UCF. My guess is now that he has perhaps a better opportunity in a Power Five conference, I don't know that for sure. Um, but, you know, there's got to be a reason why they moved on from him, unless they just interviewed him and didn't like him. But, um, you know, this this is – this was kind of a surprise. It looked like he was headed to UCF, which, you know, would have put him back there with the Charlie Strongs of the world trying to, you know, rebuild his brand a little bit, but with a very good football team. And um, now I, I would imagine unless he gets shut out altogether and goes and does TV like some coaches do, that he's probably going to pop up somewhere in a, in a Power 5 conference. Well, Tennessee, I guess, is still looking for a coach. Sure. They, Tennessee would be lucky if they end up after the disaster and train wreck that they've had trying to find a new head coach and find the athletic director and Phil Fulmer running a sort of a coup to take over as AD. If they end up with Kevin Sumlin, that would be a home run, I thought, uh, for for University of Tennessee. Um, but Arkansas yeah, needs a coach as well. Arkansas needs a coach because it looks as if uh, Gus Malzahn is not going to go there because he wanted like a trillion dollars to leave mm-hmm. Auburn. Um, but anyway, so now, okay, so now we well, let's get back to the original question here, Rick. As far as let's just start with the Gators and the Seminoles. So both teams, we never thought this would happen before the season that both schools would be looking for new coaches. Of course, Florida goes out; they hired Dan Mullen after striking out on Chip Kelly, and we presume Scott Frost. And now Florida State losing Jimbo Fisher, which none of us ever expected would happen in a million years. I thought Jimbo would be there for forever, at least until LSU or Alabama opened up, or a really good NFL job. Uh, but he leaves and goes to Texas A&M. So right now, who would you rather be in the in the game of who would you rather be? Would you rather be the Gators with Dan Mullen taking over, or would you rather be Florida State with Willie Tiger taking over? 
Look, in the short term, um, I think Florida State, you know, has a chance to get DeAndre Bressois back, and so they have the quarterback, and Dan Mullen does not. However, um, I I think this is an opportunity for Florida. You know, uh, look, uh, say what you want, but they were getting their butts beat, right, a lot by Jimbo Fisher. I think he was 6 or 7-1 and one against them. I think that's right, yeah. And so, you know, I don't know if the witch is dead, but there was a time when, you know, Spurrier um, used to used to control Georgia and other, other teams in the SEC. And so coaching matters. It's an opportunity for, for the Gators. You know, Dan Mullen knows the landscape, uh, you know, as well as anybody. I think Willie is, is becoming known as a really good recruiter, and, he, and he's still going to grow on the job. But there's something about, um, you know, the fact that he's, he's a bit of an unknown. I mean, this is either going to be a grand slam or in two or three years they're going to say it was, the job was too big for him. And I don't know which one that is yet. And so I think this is an opportunity for Florida uh, who can, who frankly could say, hey, if Florida State's so great, you know, why did Jimbo Fisher leave for Texas A&M? Right. Why did he leave for the SEC and, and, and didn't like the facilities and didn't like the administration? The commitment's not what it should be. I mean, those are campaign words that you can use in the state of Florida if you're Dan Mullen and the University of Florida. So I don't know that they'll be successful in, in, uh, in sort of capitalizing on that, but I think this is a real opportunity. And I'm not underestimating what, you know, what Willie might be able to do recruiting-wise because he had like the sixth best class in the nation last year at Oregon and got a bunch of kids from Florida. But I still think that you know, there's there's right now at least more proven commodity at Florida than there would be at Florida State. I'm with you on the Willie Taggart. It could be either a swing and a miss or it could be a home run hire. Dan Mullen, I don't know that it's going to be a home run hire, but it's not going to be a swing and a miss. He's going to be a guy that's at least going to get them back to respectability, which is something that they're not really at. And I know that, that Jim McElwain – Won a couple of SEC East titles and was winning double. I think he won double digits at least twice. once, twice. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know I don't know that Dan Mullen's going to do a whole lot more than that, but I don't see any falling off the cliff seasons with Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen at least knows what it looks like. He's proven himself at a place like Mississippi State. Willie Taggart, I go back to the whole Quentin Flowers thing. Now I give my my whole thing with him, with him and Quentin Flowers is I wonder what would happen. In, to Willie Taggart if Quentin Flowers had never been born. Now, having said that, I'll give Willie Taggart credit for He was the only guy in the world that was willing to let Quentin Flowers play quarterback. Everybody else wanted him to come and be some, just be an athlete, either be a receiver or running back or turn him into something else. Willie well, Taggart that, said, no, that's, he's, he's a quarterback. Yeah, that's how he got him. I mean, that's, yeah, that's right. the advantage he had over the other programs who didn't see him that way. But the fact that, uh, that, that he took advantage of that, I'm giving him credit for that. I just don't know that he's going to... Uh, to be that to be that home run hire, and for that reason, right now I'd rather be the Gators. I I know that Florida State probably has a little more talent right now than Florida does. Uh, they seem to have this; just seemed to be almost a blip on the radar this past season. I didn't expect them to to, to be six and six, and even as it was as bad as they've been, they still went six and six. And Florida, didn't even, go, butt, Florida yeah. didn't even do that, right? Right. So, uh, so I'm still going though. I'm going to still go with the Florida Gators on this. But, you know, if Willie Tiger, it turns out to be a home run hire, then then they'll keep it going, and they'll and it's an easier conference to win in though. Wouldn't you agree, ACC? Oh, ACC? sure. I, although you can, you can win the SEC, you can win that division pretty easily. I think uh, you know you're not you're not facing Alabama every year. I think you can you can get to the SEC championship pretty readily. Um, and, and like I said, I think in the short term, you know, a couple of things. One, Willie has 
you know, his Florida State team and his players will at least be practicing for 30 days that Florida will not. Uh, so Dan Mullen doesn't have an advantage there. I mean, they made themselves eligible for a bowl um, at 6-6 six and six with that extra game they played. So, you know, that that right right away is, is an advantage. But again, long term, I, I really think this is an opportunity for Dan Mullen who, you know, I mean, he knows offense. It's going to be all about recruiting. Can you get the quarterback? He knew what to do with, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Dak Prescott. So, um, you know, it, that that's what it's going to come down to. But uh, you can do some negative recruiting right about now against Florida State. Let's open it up to the rest of the state now, Rick, because this is a really good time to be the rest of the state if you're looking at college mm-hmm. football. USF's coming off two really good seasons. I know this past season wasn't as successful as they hoped it would be. They were they were looking for a perfect record, but it's hard to criticize that you know they end up winning uh, what ten games. They go ten and two. Charlie Strong. It appears Charlie's going to not go anywhere, which I think is good news for USF, the fact that he's going to be around for another year. USF or UCF with uh, with an undefeated season, they're going to play in the Peach Bowl. That's got to do a tremendous uh, uh, for their recruiting and, mm-hmm. and getting their name on the map. And Josh Heppel might be a guy that, you know, former Oklahoma quarterback, he might be a guy that, that can carry on the tradition of what Scott Frost has had here, offensive guy. And then you got Miami, which – might be the best team in the state at this point. And Mar- I'm still not sold there all the way back, back, back. Like we always like to declare Miami's back. Uh, but Mark Rick is a really good coach. He might be the best coach in the state at the moment. I guess we throw FAU in with Lane Kiffin. But let's be honest, no one's really thinking FAU is the best team in the state. So of all those schools, I'm taking Miami at the end of the day as the team and the program with the brightest future. Well, only, again, because they're a Power 5 school, and I do like Mark Richt, uh, although it, it seems like he had a very Mark Richt season, right? A lot of, exp- you know, no <laughs> expectations. Then they then they build up the expectations, and then That's they let you point. down. They let point. you down at the end, and the quarterback fell apart, as did as did the defense and the turnover. Change. You know what? You just talked me out of it. I'm back on Florida. <laughs> I'm going to go with UCF, and I'll tell you why. Wow. Um, they got a quarterback. This guy is back for two more seasons, man. And I don't know how dramatic uh, the offense will look different, you know, but you certainly know what you have a proven commodity. I mean, and that'd be like, that'd be like saying, you know, you got two more years with Quentin Flowers. I mean, those two guys were neck and neck for the AAC player of the year. And, um, you know, so I, I kind of like what UCF is doing. They're going to get some exposure in the Peach Bowl. And who knows what that program can, can mushroom into. I hate to say it, of all those five schools, and I agree with you about UCF, in the short term, and this isn't saying that they're a bad program because I don't think they are at all, but who would I rather be in the grand scheme of things here? I hate to say it, of the five schools, if you're looking at Florida, Florida State, USF, UCF, and Miami, boy, USF might be at the bottom of that list after coming off two of the best years, two of the best back-to-back seasons they've ever had in that program's yeah. history, and a pretty good coach in Charlie Strong, only because I don't know what to, what's going to happen to quarterback there, you know, at, at, right. at USF. And they're also in a conference with UCF, which is which is not easy. And, but, and ask, ask yourself this too, Tom. Like, what kind of a bounce did they get from those two seasons? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. did the attendance spike? Nope. Did they win a championship? Nope. Um, you know, is, is, is the program on solid footing in, in terms of, uh, you know where they want to play. Um, you know, campus you know, here's stadium. the thing too, Rick. When AD you, when you is at, leaving. Yeah, yeah. Here's the other thing. You look at their bowl game. 
Now UCF has a chance to go to the Peach Bowl. They're going to play Auburn, or uh, yeah, right? They're yeah, playing Auburn. I think Auburn, which for a moment there was the best team in the country, and they were absolutely. And you can make an argument that on a on a given Saturday they're still the best team in the country. They beat the two number ones, yeah. Right, they're beating. They beat two of the teams that are in the playoff with Georgia and, and Alabama. They go out and they win that game. What a huge boost that will be for that program. That's I look at right. USF, though. USF's going back to Birmingham. They're yep. playing Texas Tech. They're playing a Texas Tech team that's 6-6. Six and six. I get it, Power 5 and everything. They're always 6-6. Six and six. They're always 6-6, six and six, and it's a Power 5. And of the Power 5, it's the weakest of the Power 5s. It's the Big 12, which yep. I, I don't think is that as great a year as the other conferences. Now, you win that game, it's kind of like, oh, okay, big deal. You beat Texas Tech, and Texas yep. Tech ends up with a losing record. You lose yep. to them. And it's like, man, you lost to Texas Tech. So I almost feel like USF is like in a no-win bowl situation here. Well, they're not going to get, that's what I mean by they're not getting any bounce. And this was. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. They're a great year, and they're not getting any bounce, and, and uh, the ratings for that game won't be great. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, UCF has a New Year's Day game. That's right. Do they Peach not? Bowl. Yeah, yeah. It's a so Bowl. I mean, everybody's going to watch football on New Year's Day, and and you know, if they were to go out there play well or upset, you know, a team that was two weeks ago, you know, considered the best in the in the nation, then you know that that's what I mean by bounce. I mean, it's like you know, you could have the undefeated season, the quarterback returning. Sure, you have a new head coach, but man, you're suddenly on the map. And yeah. I, I, I really think that, that they would have. And then, you know, I-4 is not that big of a corridor, right? I mean, those two teams are recruiting against each other. You know, which where, where are you going if you, if you live in Lakeland? You know, you right. coming to USF or you going to, you going to UCF that just, you just saw on New Year's Day? That's the thing where is before I could see kids who maybe want to stay closer to Tampa and they would maybe not go to Florida or not go to Florida State because, A, they want to be really close to home, and, B, they were going to have a chance to play. That's Ultimately, Rick, that's what kids want. They want a chance to play. Yeah. And I think UCF is also going to offer them the opportunity to play as well. And if it's just two hours away, it, it could it, this could get really fun the next few years between USF and UCF. Hopefully both can keep coaches, keep good coaches, and keep that rivalry going. And then Florida and Florida State get back into it again. And, and Florida football could be really fun over the next uh, decade, whereas this past year, because of Florida and Florida State's uh, inability to, to put together good seasons, it hasn't been very fun. So it should be a lot, a lot of fun for the next – decade hopefully rick i want to go back before we go and, and visit uh revisit monday night football uh and it tur- it's it was a big topic of conversation on tuesday on all the national shows you know the first takes and the run run the horns and that sort of thing and uh there was talk about the violence of monday night's game now let's leave out the ryan shazir hit that was a sort of a that wasn't a dirty hit nobody meant for that to happen it was just it was a, sort it was of self-inflicted a, when he yeah got it was his, an awkward tackle lowered and put yeah. his head down and apparently the good news out of all that is looks like ryan shazir is going to be okay and he has he's apparently has movements and and, and is going to just has a spinal contusion it's, it's not going to be anything that's permanent um but there were two other hits in that game one uh, was uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who laid out Vontez Perfect, who's 
known as a dirty player and certainly has had a history with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's another thing to mention, this Bengals-Steelers rivalry, which has gotten nasty over the year, uh, years. And then Antonio Brown got, got hit, got laid out in the end zone on a, on a touchdown catch that he had. Rick, people are going crazy uh, after what happened, talking about how violent that game was, how unnecessarily violent it was. And I'm going to say something that's probably a little unpopular now. Now, I had some problems. Don't, I'm not going to say that I didn't have any problems. I had a problem with Juju Smith-Schuster standing over Perfect, sort of taunting him after that. That was uncalled for. And Antonio Brown's comments after the game, which we'll get into in a minute, were also uncalled for. But as far as the hits themselves, Rick, were they penalties? Yes. Were they dirty? I don't know that they were. Rick, I just think this was good, hard football, and guys, you know, got a couple inches off of their target. I don't think anybody meant to hurt anybody. I think this is this is just football, and I think it got blown out of proportion because it's Steelers Bengals, and because of what we saw Sunday with Rob Gronkowski. I think there was an overreaction to just how violent, unnecessarily violent, this was. I think it was football, man. No, it was worse than that. It was it was vigilanteism almost. I mean, in some respects. I mean, because you mentioned the history that they've had with Burfick and the Steelers. Um, I'm not saying that the guy targeted Burfick per se. He what he did was perform an illegal block. I mean, that's been taken I, out. absolutely. I'm not condoning the actual hit. He hit him right. Helmet I mean, to crown. Yeah. And yes. That, and that, but that. But even the crackback, like that's that's a play that has been taken. You can't block a guy like that anymore. That's been Which taken out of the NFL. I have a problem with, but go ahead, I'll let you finish. Well, you saw that. the result of it, and that's yeah. why they took it out, because guys were getting If he blown hits him up. in the chest, are you okay with that hit? No, it's an illegal hit. Guy's trying to make a tackle, Rick. He, I mean, he's... It, what the point is is that you can't crack back on a guy like that. I mean, it, it's been a dangerous play. The competition committee has looked at it. Look, I come down on it this way. What side are the players on here, Okay. Uh, you know, the league, you know, for years denied that there was any link between head injuries and, and, and you know, a brain injury and, and concussions and brain injury and CTE wasn't real. And you had all these lawsuits and they paid out hundreds of millions of dollars to football players who were walking around not knowing what their names are. OK, that's a fact. And we, we saw the concussion movie, all of that. The NFLPA filed lawsuit after lawsuit, and these guys now are getting paid, okay? They want to make the game safer. Players want the game to be safer. So what do the players do? They go out there, and they headhunt, okay? It, it should be out of the game. I mean, what side are you on? The players have to be the ones that decide that we're going to protect each other, that we're, we're going to play football, but we're not going to use our helmets as a weapon. We're not going to blow up people in the end zone with, with the crown of our helmet. I mean, I thought it was just, I thought it was embarrassing. You know, I thought if you're an NFL player and you're watching that, first of all, how many people, me included, looked at that last night and said, man, I, if I had, now my son played football, let me tell you, watching some of those hits, I, I actually started thinking, you know, if I had that sort of perspective then when he played six or seven years ago, I might have, might have not let him play or told him, discouraged it greatly. I, this was a terrible, terrible look for the NFL. And worse yet, it was players doing it to other players. And all I want to say is, if you're an NFL player and you're, you're a union, what side are you trying to come down on here? I look back at that game, and I'm usually with you on stuff like this, Rick, which was shot, surprises me that I watched that game last night. And the more I watched it, the more I saw the reaction, the more I tried to defend the players that were making these hits. 
the hit on Antonio Bryant in the end zone. I look if you want to you want to argue with me about the Juju Smith Schuster hit. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll listen a little more to that. He could have made the block. I think he had to get in his way because Perfect was on his way to trying to make a tackle, and it was close. Right, to but his it's guy. it's an illegal. He could have laid up. He could have laid up a little bit. Maybe not. You know, just trying to destroy. You can't crack him. back. They've taken that out of the game. For I understand reasons. that. Which again, I go. I mean, I think Perfect has to have some responsibility too. Like keep you know, will your head around a little bit. You know, that, that's what guys did for 50 years. But anyway, I'll, I'll listen to that. You want to you argue about the Juju Smith-Schuster, I'll listen to that argument. The Antonio Brown hit in the end zone, guy's making a catch and a guy's trying to knock the ball loose from him. I don't think anybody was headhunting. I don't think – and I think that if you if you just put that hit in a vacuum – But you can't. You know, but, but all of a sudden we, to, we, we toss it on to everything that's ever happened in the history of this rivalry – and I don't think. Well, that I mean, how about just in happened. that? How about just in that game? I mean, well, you know, I mean, it happened just it's just a few plays or, or uh, you know, a series or two after uh, Burfick had gotten laid out. So, <laughs> you know, to sit the the op, look optics are important. Can we agree on that in the NFL? Yeah, I agree. I understand. I mean, well, I you know, guys not standing for the national anthem hurt their ratings. Okay, I mean, this is a business, and you know, the the football business is not doing well right now. And mommies and daddies are pulling their kids, okay, and saying, you know what? Maybe lacrosse is better. Maybe baseball is better. Maybe maybe I don't want you playing any any football because of this head head trauma stuff. And then you turn on the television and you watch that. And you tell me if you're if you're helping the business of football or the sport of football by going around and it's player against player. I mean, this is the thing. And, and like I said, they can't be on both sides of the argument. I mean, the only ones that's ultimately going to protect the players are the players. <laughs> so oh, I get it. I get it. You know, but I mean, I think at the same time too, that's not their priority. They're, I mean, you tell you tell me what their priority is. The priority of Pittsburgh Steelers was to win that football game last night. The priority for the Cincinnati Bengals was to win that football game. You you put a hundred and six guys out on that field, jack them up, and have them have them worked into a lather, and then send them out there. What do you expect's going to happen? You know, guys are going to get hit. Guys are going to get hit hard. Well, sometimes then, uh, then, then sometimes gonna, illegally. But you know, we're going to do that. If we're going to do that. I don't want any more lawsuits because you put on that helmet and you're saying, well, it's just football. Then don't come at the league and say, you guys knew this and you guys are not making the game's not safe and we need this protection and we need this insurance and we need this payment and we didn't know. Uh-uh. Now, I, you know, it, it either either it's all or nothing to me. I mean, you're either, you're either trying, you're on the side of safety, and you want to you want to preserve the game for for the people behind you, if nothing else, but also for yourselves. I mean, I just I never understood in any sport why guys go out of their way and and look. Sometimes those helmet collisions happen because the game is fast and you're wearing those things. That's, I guess that's my point. I think, but I don't think I, in I this game it, it could be dirty are, without being intentional. If that yeah, makes sense maybe. at all. I mean, you can't you know? get in the guy's heart at that moment. Um, they all apologize afterwards, but you sure. can't really say what he was thinking when he did it. I do know this: that he just watched a teammate get laid out, okay, and carted off the field, and it was a second teammate. No, no fault of of the Steelers. The f- right. first one got carted off. But think about the emotions at that point, right? If you're, you know, if if you watch that game and and then then to have that happen. It started to look like, you know, an eye for an eye. And, and, and like I said, well, optics are, are important. Yeah, and then to add to it after the game, now this is, this is where I probably – I had more of a problem with this than anything else, and that was Antonio Brown as Juju Smith-Schuster's apologizing essentially for yeah. the hit on Perfect and said, you know, I, I could have laid up. I didn't mean to hit him in the head, but I could have laid up. It was a penalty. I'm sorry. I, I apologize to him. 
and Antonio Brown in the background is yelling karma, karma, because don't forget Brown was knocked out of a game a couple of years ago by That's Burfitt. right. And and it was that was the part that I had the most issue with. Uh, I didn't like Sh- Smith Schuster standing over Burfitt after the hit. But Brown's yelling out karma while a teammate of his is in the hospital. Yeah. And you don't know if he's going to walk. And he didn't know the outcome, yeah. Right, exactly. And and that part. And then, then that adds to the bad optics of the whole night. That it, that almost lends to the argument that you just made, which is hard to, to, to argue against, which is this is all vigilante justice, and they were out to get people. And now you got the Buffalo Bills, by the way, saying Rob Gronkowski better keep his head up next time they play. And, uh, and I get it. And I get that's the, the sport office. they play. I mean, the sport they play is, you know, who's going to impose their will on the other guy and the macho. And we do the locker room, you know, uh, bulletin board stuff. And then we then they send them out there for three hours to, to bang heads. And, um, you know, it's like I said, I mean, there's going to come a tipping point with all of this. And, you know, if, if football goes the way of boxing, OK, mm-hmm. then you're not going to you're not going to have the masses really wanting to watch this blood sport. It's just not going to be as, as appealing to, to everyone. Well, that, I will not argue with that point of yours, Rick, because I got a couple emails on Tuesday morning saying that that's it. I'm from, from just casual readers, people that I've known who yeah. are sports fans and said, you know what? I think I'm just going to watch hockey from now on. Not that hockey's a, you know, the, the perfect sport <laughs> either, but uh, well, at least they know. can fight in that game. Yeah, exactly. So, Thanks for listening, everyone. You can check us out on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Twitter. Check us out at Rick Tom Podcast at NFL Stroud at Tom W. Jones. Once again, our producer is Steve Versnick. Thanks to him. Have a great day, everyone. Next time uh, we talk to you, our plan is to have you uh, listen to our conversation with Times beat writer Joe Smith, covers the Tampa Bay Lighting. So we'll talk to you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 